And uh, next week, uh, bring your Bibles because we we will not have this on the screen unless you're, I guess, simulcasting. But um, in honesty, this psalm is uh, one that bothers me. Um, it's one that I would much rather go back to last week and just preach your steadfast love endures forever. Like let the forever portion of that just continue on. Um, I'd rather do that than preach this prayer. Uh, there are moments in scripture that don't seem to match other parts of it. There are difficult texts that are uh, honestly, as a, as a preacher, they're hard to handle, but even as like, I've just been a Christian way longer than I've been a preacher. Like, I just can't make sense of them. I just can't make sense of all the things that are being said in there. There are things in the Bible that, um, I, I don't know how they can be explained in the light of God's loving kindness and his goodness. And, and there are some texts as one commentator says of this text in particular, that such a, a statement might be an em, embarrassment to nice church people who have never loved that much, who have never lost that much, who have never been abused that much, or maybe for those who have never even hoped that much. And this is one of those texts for me. It may not be for you. Um, I've studied it and I've, I've got a head perspective around why things are said. But this is not a song that my heart really could sing. And you guys will see why in a minute. Um, parts of it, maybe. Angie uh, told me a quote earlier this week from Flannery O'Connor. I, I couldn't find the Flannery O'Connor quote, but we'll just believe that Angie knows where it is. Um, it goes something like this. Some people need a whisper and some people need a shout. And then this psalm, it's, it's a shout. And I find it a jolting one. Um, but others of, of us may find it refreshing. Some of us may need the sharp imagery to take the scriptures seriously again. This kingdom of God stuff that we talk about week in and week out, this Jesus stuff, this grace stuff, this forgiveness stuff that we talk about all the time, sometimes um, they are, well, we need to know that they are far more real than we can um, imagine. This temporary kingdom that we live in is far more temporary than God's everlasting kingdom. And every now and again, we need this type of language to wake us up from our blissful dreams. We need the hard and difficult things in scripture to understand and to wake us up to the fact that God wants to speak to us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to hear him. He wants us to take sin seriously in, in, in this. And then if we take sin seriously, maybe then we'll be able to see that grace is more serious than we can ever know. So let me pray this prayer over us and then we'll get into it. And I will do my best during the, this, this uh, text to not gloss over it or trivialize it or to avoid some of the harsher sections of this prayer. But let me pray this. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our lyres, for there our captors required, a song of, uh, required of us songs, and of our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing to us one of the Zion songs. 
How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand not forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem, how they said, Lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against rocks. In Jesus' name, amen. The Psalms are prayers for life, not just um, the pretty parts of life, not just the hallelujah parts of life, but uh, the whole of it. As a collection, the Psalms are robust enough even to take us through hardships, take us through any hardships, take us through any doubts, as well as lead us through good times, as well as bad, that we as humans and humanity can go through. The prayers deal with, uh, with the tragedies and realities of wartime, as well as the beauty and the bliss and the peace of peacetimes. Truly, Psalms are not surprised by violence that happens in this earth or the evil that is in this world, just as they are not surprised by the goodness and the grace and the enduring steadfast love of our God. The Psalms, in fact, as prayers, help us get ready for all of life, the whole totality, all that could be there. And here in this Psalm, we can see very clearly, it's, a, it's actually a very clear and beautiful descriptive Psalm, except for the, what it's depicting is not lovely. Here we can see a people who are being taken captive, who are dragged away from their homelands. And um, it's not easy to be pulled away from all that you know and you love. It's not easy to be pulled away from a place where you believe God dwells here. As you watch your beloved city get sacked and destroyed and burned and bricks being torn down. As you watch all the holy ornaments of the church being stripped away and the house of God just being utterly desecrated and all the gold being torn down from the walls and taken by these foreign rulers. All the while, you don't see God show up in any of this. Like you've seen in the, the stories of old, well, I heard God did this, but he's not doing this now. And not only that, but now you are in chains. You, you're God's favored people and you are in chains and you're not, you didn't witness a miraculous victory of your enemies. Not only that, your captors are taunting you and teasing you, right? They, they sing, sing of the goodness of God. You know, this great God that you guys worship. Let's hear these songs that you sing. Sing about the strength and might of your God. And they are all laughing because they've just defeated your city. And in a way, they are saying, we are stronger than your God. But go ahead and sing about them. Believe, you guys believe this God is there for you to protect you, but look what we've done to destroy you. In these moments, there are rampant doubts that can creep in, and, and you are forced to remember all the worship songs of goodness 
and gladness and grace and joy and God's presence in the life of his people. And you don't want to sing because it's not what you're experiencing right now. And in part, you're not sure how these songs fit into your current condition. And yet there are many times in life when we feel this way. When we feel this way, times that are so disorienting and difficult, times when our praise just doesn't seem to make any sense, when we can say, yeah, God is good and His grace endures forever, but we just can't figure out how at this time. Times when our faith is at very real risk because God didn't show up like we thought he would or like we wanted him to or like he's done in the past because sometimes he's done it for us in the past and he's just not doing it like that now or like he's done in the stories of old. But yet we hold on to hope. Even if by a thread we hold on to hope, we believed and we didn't know how much more faith how to have more faith in God than we could have right now. And yet we feel that we are let down. But there is in this, in the depths of this being, in the depths of this, the prayer here, and in the depths of those who believe in Jesus, there's something that is calling out to us. Something that's been recited in the history of our faith that saint, by saints who have come before us, and by the community that we are involved in, that has, um, and those who have endured much worse than what we are going through, we find that we still have faith, even if only a little bit. Even though our situation doesn't make sense of what we, what we are going to, we are woken to find that life is not what we thought it would be. That the, the movements are, of God are not what we thought they would be. And yet we believe that he is still here, that he is still good, that his grace is still for us. And I'd imagine that this is how Jesus felt on the cross. He was captive. He was bound up. He was beaten. He was flagged, flogged and mocked, laughed at and jeered at. His tormentors were laughing at him as they nailed him to the cross Not only that, once he was on the cross, they were gambling for his clothes and he was strung out totally naked on the cross in an attempt to increase the shame, his shame in their act. And Jesus' captors called out for him to save himself. Call out to God, Jesus. He can rescue you. And if he can Save, save you from now is the time for him to do it. And Jesus never in that moment denounced God. And yet he breathes his last, his life snuffs out, he dies on that cross, yet never renouncing God and his goodness. And I'd imagine then this is how Jesus' disciples must have felt as they gathered together uh, right after this event and they gathered in the upper room afraid of the crowds that just killed their leader, Jesus. Scared and feeling alone, waiting and not knowing what was going to happen next. Maybe, Maybe they thought the Jewish officials were coming for them next, that they could just squash this rebellion once and for all, that they could kill the disciples, and in killing the disciples, all that Jesus worked for would be gone, and that they were involved in. 
And here they were, just feeling like, how long, O Lord? How long shall we sing the Lord's songs in this foreign land? How long can we sing of God's goodness, His grace, His forgiveness, and everlasting love when all this garbage is going on? How can we sing the grace when we sing of God's grace when we don't see it? These are not the easy moments in life. There are some moments in life when we realize that God is not messing around. We are reminded of some of the hard sayings of Jesus in his life, like, the world will hate you. Or, I come not to bring peace, but to bring a sword. Give away all that you have, all of it, and follow me. Or even Jesus tells one person to let the dead bury the dead. And he tells us, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Not everything that Jesus said was easy to understand in light of his grace. His love and his forgiveness. There are times when we feel like we are forced to sing of grace and love in a land where none of that really makes sense. And yet, deep down, our spirits can't wait to sing out about the truths. Our deep that is within us is saying, these words are true. Even if I don't understand them, even if you can't see them in a violent, in a foreign land full of violence, we get to live for and celebrate peace. In a land that is unforgiving, we get to be forgiven and forgive others. In a land that is flooded with fears, we get to sing of hope. Even though we, we look like captives and we look like we're in chains, we get to sing of the freedom that God provides for us. We get to lift up our hands and worship even when we don't feel like it because there is no way possible for us to always feel like God is good and God is great, even though those things are always true. And in these moments, we ask that we don't forget, that we don't forget that we have tasted and seen that God is good. Not only all this, but we get to do it with sincerity. Even when our, in our darkest moments, we can say, God is good. I know that is more true than my, my current situation. And we can know that God will use this to his glory, even if we don't know how or we don't understand it. All this serves to wake us up. Wake us up. This life in Christ is a serious one. Living for Jesus is not all feelings of happiness and gooey, gushy feelings of grace and forgiveness. There are plenty of moments when we feel like our enemies are right and we are delusional at best. We feel like when we're talking about the things of God, that we're actually just leaning in to crazy, like the world is saying, and we are crazy, that our words are absurd, absurd, and that our belief system just feels so alien to what is going on. These songs that we sing just don't seem to forget. But you know what? I'm not going to stop singing them. I'm not going to stop singing them because deep down we believe that they are more true than our current realities. Our faith goes beyond what we can currently see. And this prayer 
here is to disorient us. And then in our disorient in in our disorientation, we can clearly focus on what is important, that we do actually believe that God is real, that we do believe that His grace is real. We do believe that His love is enough for us in these moments of doubt in our darkness. We can see more clearly because of this. And there are times when we pray for vengeance. You guys don't have to raise your hands. Maybe not all of us pray for this, and, and that's okay. But And maybe there are a few of us who know what it's like to pray for God to destroy them. We've been so hurt or so devastated, maybe by an individual or maybe it's even by an organization or a government or heaven forbid that we've ever been crushed or cheated by churches. Some of us have been there and that, that, so that prayers like this one make a little, a little sense of how we feel towards them. God will destroy. God, will you please strip them of their powers and make them desolate? There are times when some of us have prayed that God would damn them, and in that, we mean it. There's so much feeling and emotion in this prayer. The reality of it won't and maybe even can't make sense to all of us, but then again, we are jolted awake to the evil realities of this world. If we pay attention to that, if we don't just gloss over, you know that there are some traditions and some churches who take away this verse 9, who take away 7 through 9 and never read them in their church services. There are times when it feels, um, if, if we're being honest, there are times when it feels right to pray that a family line would end, if it mean, even if it means getting rid of their children, that if that is, if their children are going to continue the evil that their parents started. There are some evils in this world that we don't want to be passed on from generation to generation. And there are some who would praise, who would praise God if they got rid of this evil once and for all. And this prayer is in part a wake-up call to the realities of evil. Evils in our own heart, absolutely. But evils that uh, if we close our eyes in this world, we won't ever see them. Think about this during COVID-19, this COVID-19 experience. Think of those kids who it's healthier for them to be at school than it is to be at home because of the abuse that endures at home. The medical field is reporting that they're seeing evils of abuses like they've never seen before. I've seen reports of increased violence, particularly towards women and children. All sorts of abuse from physical to sexual to emotional abuse. Damage being inflicted during these times of home isolation. These abuses are horrific. If we looked at just one of these abuses, let alone all of them together, we'd be tempted to think, how can this stuff happen in our world? How can it happen in our world? And there are others of us that know this, how this can happen, because this abuse feels firsthand for them. It feels firsthand that, Lord, will you, I don't care how you do it, will you let this evil end? We want this evil to end 
Amen. We get to pray that it might end. Amen. We get to pray that that God will have vengeance on evil and wickedness that exists in our world. We cry out for and beg for an end and will rejoice when it's all over and done with. In a way, I don't care how it ends, just that it ends. Think of all the stories I, I think of all the stories I've heard over the years from women and men and kids who have endured such damage and such abuse, those who were in power over them and then exploited that power to just perpetuate the abuse. And I say, Lord, please, we want this to end once and for all. We want God to end it. We get to wake up to the realities of evil in this world and the cost of that evil. And when we wake up, and then when, when I say wake up, I'm not talking about the whole woke culture stuff. Because being woke, as I see it at the fad of being woke, there's, it's fake because there's no action behind it. We shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't care if we know about these realities, if it doesn't do something to shape our lives, if it doesn't change at least our prayer life. This prayer is not interested in faith that doesn't move us into action. Most poignantly, this prayer uh, is prayed because prayers are a great weapon against this evil and the evils to come, just as prayer is the most powerful weapon against ages uh, evils of ages past. And, and in this too, we get to confess and repent personally, each and every one of us. We get to put to death the evil desires within ourselves. If we are honest, we could be one travesty away from losing it all, from losing our mind or losing our possessions or our houses. Something could happen that can send us right over the edge and spin us into a rage. And we need to pay, be pay careful attention to the evil that tempts, tempts us and pops up within our own heart. We need to be careful of this. We, not, we don't um, need to be so arrogant to think that we could never do that. Because I think that um, I've never experienced some of the abuses that others have, have had. And so let us humbly this prayer is a prayer for us to walk humbly with Jesus. Jesus came to cure the sick, not those who are well. And we know that until we see Jesus to face to face, there's sin and sickness that dwells within our hearts. And we want to be aware and pray that Jesus will continue to do his work in our lives and that by his grace and his love, we will be forgiven and changed and that we will continue to change until we are just like him. Before we leave this prayer, I'd like to point out two things. One is that the prayer, the prayer of this prayer doesn't take action themselves. They understand that vengeance belongs to the Lord and that they don't have to take matters into their own hands for justice to take place. In one sense, we don't have to have action where we are boots on the ground, dashing little ones into rocks. We get to take action in the form of prayer that God has. In fact, perfect justice 
If it was to take place, we can't interfere in it. God is the one who enacts his perfect judgment. And the second thing I'd like to point out before we leave this prayer is that this prayer is left unresolved. Look at how this prayer ends. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. The prayer of this prayer is still in chains, is still being led away from their homeland, is still being taunted by those who have captured them. And it takes great faith and may it takes great faith to pray this prayer that just to hold on that they're they're deep deep down in them knows that they are to worship God it takes great faith to pray this prayer and ha- it takes great faith to leave vengeance in the hands of the Lord and i pray that we may have that type of great faith let us remember this in the life of Jesus Just as it was real for Jesus on the cross, Jesus really rose from the dead. He is not dead, he is alive. Vengeance is his, and he hates evil far more than we can fathom or understand. He hates the evil in our own hearts, and he hates the evil in this world. He hates the evil done by individuals, and he hates the the evil done by by nations, and he hates the evil that is done by institutions. Jesus rose that we might have a new life, and that in that new life we might be found in him. He is fighting for us so we can depend on him. May he help us depend on him always. Even when we can't see grace, even when we feel like we are in chains, even when we can't feel the love that we claim to have from God the Father, He is still good and still worthy of all our praise. All this tearing down that is happening will serve to rebuild us in His way and in His image. May our hearts and our lips and our lives never forget this. And as we don't forget Our hope will rise up as Christ rose from the dead. Jesus, I pray that you will help us, that you will lead us in difficult and dark times, Lord. No matter where we're each at right now, I pray that you will just show us, Lord, that you are enough. That as we pray these prayers, that you will be enough for us. Lord, if we feel like we are in darkness, allow the deep that is inside us to call forth But Lord, we have you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.